Last week, we talked about the origins of this Gospel of Matthew and how it looks as though Matthew had a copy of the Gospel of Mark. And there were times when he made little changes and times when he made additions that give us a a kind of a clue as to what was important, what was important to to Matthew and and his church family. One of the clues we we heard in the reading, Mark has John the Baptist showing up and telling the crowds, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Matthew is not comfortable saying that word God. He's like the Jewish people of today, who when they write the word God, they write G-D. Because of that commandment, do not take the Lord's name in vain. So they're very careful and cautious when they write down the word God. They don't just write down G-O-D. They, they write it with a dash. And, and Matthew does something very similar when he says that John the Baptist proclaimed, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He changes it to, for, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It means the same thing, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the realm where what God wants, the king wants, is done. And so when he says in this time, repent for the kingdom of heaven draws near, he's using language that would be comfortable for a Jewish church family to hear, they would, they would recognize that, that this kingdom of heaven is talking about the kingdom of God. He adds other details that, that are not in the gospel of Luke or the gospel of Mark that, well, a Jewish church family would recognize. One thing he, he describes is that, that John the Baptist shows up wearing hair, a coat made out of hair and a belt, and his Jewish Jewish audience who would have who would have been familiar with the Old Testament, they say, sounds like Elijah to me. He wore hair and a belt. And, and he describes John the Baptist as eating honey and bugs. And, and his audience, his, his church family would have said to themselves, that sounds like Elijah who ate some crazy things too. And, 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 and they would call, they would, um, they would have heard these and they would know that John the Baptist is working God's way just like those prophets did. And when Jesus calls out the religious leaders and says, you brood of vipers, well, he sounds not just like Isaiah and, and, and Isaiah, Isaiah and Elijah and Ezekiel. He sounds like Amos and he sounds like Hosea and he sounds like Zechariah and he sounds like Jeremiah, most of all. All those Old Testament prophets just about call out the leaders of their day, call out the leaders for not leading the people in ways that points to God's truth and God's Way And that's why they were sent to say there is another way. And so you should repent. Do differently. Look to God and God's way. We said last week that, that Matthew structured his gospel. He took all those sayings of Jesus and words of Jesus that he adds to the gospel of Mark. And he, he does it with five different parts. He does action Jesus' words, actions, Jesus' words. If you've got one of those Bibles where Jesus' words are in red, it looks like black ink, red ink, black ink, red ink. Five times 
like the five books of Torah. That Jesus fulfills the Torah. And if you want to know what it is that God intended when he gave the Torah, if you want to know what it is that God wants, Jesus is the Torah, the law. And the law, when it is fulfilled, when it is lived out fully, looks like Jesus. It looks like, or like love. John the Baptist calls out the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And my guess is that there were some in the, in the, uh, the audience, some of those there in the wilderness with John the Baptist who were thinking, yeah, there's some others he needs to call out too. He needs to call out those tax collectors. He, he, he needs to, to call out those sympathizers with Rome. He needs to call out those who collude with Rome. He needs to, to call out everybody who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But John the Baptist doesn't. He limits, he limits his harsh language to those, to those who lead, just like the prophets had done. There's another way, a better way, God's way. You should be leading the people in God's way. It looks like prophets like Amos who say, let justice roll down like waters. It looks like prophets like Amos who say that you are not treating one another fairly. You're treating those who have, have much, who have little, as though they, they don't matter and, and you need to be taken care. And, and God cares less about your offerings than how you love one another. The way that John the Baptist yells at the crowd and calls those you'd most want to come forward and repent a brood of vipers well makes me think of well it makes me think of a Billy Graham crusade I know I know not everyone in here knows who Billy Graham was some of you are young uh, but, but Billy Graham would go from stadium to stadium to stadium and would fill the stadium with people who longed to hear the word of God. He'd fill these stadiums. And at the end, at the end of this, this wonderful sermon and this wonderful talk, they would play a song that had lots of verses like, Just As I Am, and, and lots of verses so that there would be time where if you wanted to come down and pray, and if you wanted to repent and change your life, if you wanted to trust in God, there was time for you to come forward. So imagine Billy Graham preaching this amazing sermon, and, and all of Judea has come to hear him, and, and all of Jerusalem, the whole city has emptied out, and everybody's in this stadium where Billy Graham is preaching, and, and they, they start to play just as I am, and, and people start coming down the aisles of the stadium to the, to the front, and he says, no, you're a brood of vipers. No. You don't even know what repentance is. Repentance is about bearing fruits. Repentance is about bearing fruits. And what's in you has to change for it to be true repentance. Later on, Jesus is going to say something like this. He's going to say that, that a thorn, a thorn can't bear fruit 
It can only bear thorns. The DNA of a thorn bush is such that it's not going to put forth apples or lemons or limes or berries if it's a thorn bush. What has to be changed has to be changed at the DNA level. John seems to understand what's going on in the hearts of those listening because he looks out at the crowd and says, now there are some of you who think we are descendants of Abraham. We got the right DNA. We are children of Abraham. And Jesus says instead, or John the Baptist says instead, God can make children of Abraham out of stone. It's not your genetics that makes you a child of God. It is not your DNA that makes you a child of God. It is God changing you from stone. Jeremiah said something about stones. That one day God would take the people of Israel and change their hearts of stone so that they would live the law, truly live the law, wanting to live the law. That's what heart represents, our will, our desires, that God would take stone and change it so that our hearts are filled with a desire, a desire to live the law. I'm grateful for that. Grateful for that. Because my own heart sometimes, well, often resembles a stone. When John yells out to the people, repent, he's saying, stop and turn. Stop what you are doing and turn. Turn away from what is not good and turn to the only thing that is good and that is God. Turn to God. Trust in God. Recognize that any other way of being is not, is not the good life. Repentance is more than regret. Repentance is more than a New Year's resolution when you know, you're pretty sure that within 21 days you'll have messed up. For some of us, much earlier. <laughs> Repentance is more like an apology. The kind of apology that brings change. It's not a hashtag sorry not sorry kind of apology. You know about apologies that are sorry, not sorry. Apologies, apologies that aren't really apologies. Someone says, I'm so sorry, Mom, that I broke your favorite knickknack. But it shouldn't have been on the sofa table where we were playing with balloons. It's really, really, really your fault I messed up. There is no word but in a true apology. 
That would be like Adam and Eve saying, I'm sorry for eating the fruit, the apple, but you shouldn't have put it in the center where I had to keep walking by it every day and you shouldn't have made it look so delicious, God. There's a but. It's not a real apology. You know about some sorry, not sorry. Someone apologizes because they're sorry they got caught. Not because they really want to change. I'm sorry I have to go to jail because I cheated on my taxes. Not sorry about cheating, but just sorry about having to go to jail. A real apology sounds different. I'm sorry we broke the living room lamp. We promise not to play ball in the living room again. We promise not to play with balloons in the living room again. A real apology brings change. I'm so sorry that I hurt you. And I'm going to change something about myself. I'm sorry that I snapped at you. I'm worried about what's going on at work. I don't want to bring the office into our relationship anymore. I'm going to, well, when I come home, I'm going to sit in the car a minute. I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to ask myself, how is it with my soul? Because I don't want to bring the office and the pains into the home and hurt you. I'm sorry that I was late. I've set my phone to go off an hour before our next appointment so that I will have extra time if there's traffic. I'm sorry, in a way, that there's change. That's what repentance is. Wanting to change. Wanting to be different. I'm guessing a lot of people there in that crowd listening to John the Baptist are excited about this idea of of people changing, wanting those, those who are not good to change. A true apology is about the self, the heart, the will, wanting to live God's way. And the prophets... All those prophets who were out there saying repent that Jesus, that John the Baptist seems to be channeling with his camel hair and eating honey and locusts, they were all about justice, caring for the neighbor. Those prophets were all about change that shows love, love to the neighbor. Prophets like Martin Luther King Jr., who's saying light, darkness cannot cast out darkness, only light can do that. Hatred cannot cast out hatred, only love can do that. And a church of his era that doesn't want to change. He wrote about that in his letter, letter from a Birmingham jail to the white Christian leaders who kept saying, wait, wait, we're really on your side. We're sorry that we can't be there with you and walk with you now. Won't you wait until it's more convenient? 
No true repentance. It says God's way is for everyone and I want to act now and not wait. Sorry, not sorry, is not the way of the prophets who said love your neighbor no matter who you are. Look in the closet, are there two coats? Well, you've got enough to share. You've got enough to share. Prophets speak to people who look in their closet and say, oh, my clothes are so 2022. There's nothing to wear. Oh, yes, prophets hurt. Look in the freezer. Are there UFOs? Unidentified frozen objects? You have extra food. Make room for someone else and understand that repentance means change. You don't need to take advantage of others to build yourself up. You can love and trust God for your self-worth. You don't need to take from others to make sure you have enough. Trust in God because God created it all. Trust in God who created, created it all. Jesus stands at the river where people want change. That's why they're there. All of Judea, all of Jerusalem, standing there knowing that the world is not how it is meant to be. I am not what I am meant to be. I need change. I need God and God's way. Jesus walks into the water, the Jordan River, and and Matthew has John, uh, John the Baptist saying, no, 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 no. You need to be baptizing me. Because Jesus doesn't need to be there in the Jordan River. John has called, repent, repent, repent. People who have sinned, repent, which would be everyone else but Jesus. And yet there he shows up as though every time we call out, I'm not who you call me to be. I have sinned the way I think, the way I have acted in the times when I have failed to act. It's not who I want to be. And Jesus is there every time we say that. And we remember our baptism. Today we touch the water, water from the Jordan River mixed up with all that, that, that water from the, the tap and, and that faucet water and you can't tell one from the other and that's how we're meant to be. We're meant to be people to whom when others see, they see Jesus. They see Jesus. And so I invite you, I invite you to come and touch the water and to, to take one of the half marbles and put it somewhere to help you remember 
that God wants to be with you. God wants to bring about change so that you too are more like Jesus. I wrote in my Thursday thoughts this week about how I'd gone to an annual conference workshop and we were planning on annual conference worship and, and I had said, oh, we should put glass beads in the water for people to, to take home and nobody knew what I was talking about. This is before Zoom. So I had to bring them to show this is what I mean. And, and, and so I brought a bag of, of these glass beads with me, and, and we opened the bag, and they all took one, and they're like, oh, that's nice. People could put one to remember, not just on remember your baptism, but remember other times. And, and, and then driving home, well, my open bag of beads fell all over the trunk. And I've told you now how I drive. <coughs> Excuse me. And especially on the expressway. Well, the bags broke, broke open and were all over the trunk. The, the, some of these fell into the wheel well of the car because, well, that's how I drive. And when glass is on the middle of the wheel well, every time you turn a corner or slam on brakes, well, you hear this scratching noise. And, and it got where any time somebody was riding with me and I came to a break, you'd hear the scratching noise and they go, what's that? And I'd have to explain about these baptism beads in the wheel well of my trunk. Finally, I got out and I took the wheel out of the trunk, the spare tire out of that trunk, and went through the wheel well and got every single one of those beads out, I thought. And then realized eventually that, you know, maybe I should remember my baptism every time I'm mad about somebody else's driving or mad about everybody else's words. Maybe I should remember my baptism when I am in too big of a hurry. Because you know, when you're in a hurry, it's hard to be present to the people who are with you. Maybe we should all put a bead somewhere where we need to remember that we are baptized. That we are called to grow more like Christ that we too repent, we too repent. I would invite you to come forward and, 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 and follow the usher's directions and come forward and, and take, a, take a bead from the water, touch the water, and remember that you are baptized. There is room at the rails to nail napkins. If you, if you get water on your hands and too much water on your hands, although I don't know how that could be, We'll follow the example of the choir as they come forward, and then all of us touch the water, remember who we are.